Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello, my loves. Welcome back to the Balanced Bond Podcast, Soul on Fire. This is episode 201. You guys know this is the episode I have been waiting for and have been so excited about for probably this entire year. So 201 is my lucky number. It's my angel number. It's the number that follows me everywhere. And it symbolizes a lot of good things in my life. So the fact that this is the 201st episode of the podcast means that I've been podcasting for four years, which is so wild and makes me so grateful for this form of communication and for you guys and for this entire community that we've built. So I am so happy to be here. This is my favorite, favorite part of what I do is the podcast. I can't imagine not having it. And here we are at 201. So I knew that for the 201st episode, I wanted to do something extra special. And I've had this in my mind for a long time that I would have Jonathan Albrecht, my husband, come on the podcast and host this episode. So he's the first ever person to come on the podcast and flip the script on me and interview me. So he put together these amazing questions that we dip into a lot of topics. We talk about my childhood. We talk about the school that I grew up going to, how it influenced who I am today. We talk about um, my wild years in high school. And basically everything that we talk about in this episode is all about um, what makes me who I am, what makes Jordan, Jordan. And it's cool because you guys don't really get to hear that. Otherwise, I'm interviewing people. I'm doing solo episodes on specific topics. And there's nobody who knows me better than my husband. So I was really excited about the questions that he asked me because I think they will give you insight into who I am. And a big thing that I just want to kind of highlight moving forward is that after 201 episodes of the podcast, I'm in a place where I am so ready to just embrace everything about who I am despite the fact that I'm never going to be for everyone. If I was, that would be boring. When I started this podcast, there were insecurities about my voice, about um, just, you know, how I say things and will they resonate with people. And I just want to throw that all out the window. Joe Rogan says it took him 500 episodes to be comfortable podcasting. And 
I feel like, okay, here I am, 200 episodes under my belt. Let's just be comfortable. Let's be confident. And not that I wasn't before, but I feel like it's time to step into Jordan 2.0. Jordan, who's just unafraid, unabashedly going to speak her mind. Um, Because there's so many podcasts now. There's a podcast for everybody. But if I'm truly, truly, truly myself, that's all I can be. And it's an honor to be doing that with you guys. So I don't want to talk too much more because this episode is just super special and I want to get into it. But I do want to say if you feel inspired to rate and review the show on iTunes, you can send me a screenshot to jordanatthebalancebond.com and I will send you a free gift. And I want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Array. So I finally have a discount code for Array, which is huge. Array, by the way, is A-R-R-A-E, and they are targeted natural supplements that completely work. They are amazing, 100% natural and filler-free, and I take them for bloating and to stay calm. So now you guys can use the code BLONDE, B-L-O-N-D-E, which is huge, to get free shipping in the U.S. and in Canada on Array. So they're bloat capsules. I have been taking these for a couple months. I've been sharing them religiously on Instagram and on the blog because I notoriously get very bloated. I have, you know, lifelong stomach issues. I have chronic illness food just never has made me feel very good. So if you suffer from bloating, from stomach issues after eating, um, from gas, and if you get heartburn or if you feel like your food doesn't really break down very quickly or easily, then you will love Array. Array is vegan, gluten-free, cruelty-free, kosher, filler-free, organic, non-GMO, and nut-free. And it's only made of six potent ingredients, which is incredible. So it's made of ginger root, which is for digestion, lemon balm, which is for prevention of gas, dandelion root for the health of your liver, peppermint, slippery elm, and bromelain. And it's such an amazing formula, you guys. I take three. After every meal, I've gifted them to my dad, to my nanny, who we talk about in this episode. And it's helping everybody in my family, all of us who have sensitive stomach issues. And they also have a calm product, which is uh, equally just a blend of herbs, minerals, and vitamins to help you relax the body and the mind. You can use Blonde at for either of those products at Array.com, A-R-R-A-E.com. Use that code Blonde for free shipping. And you guys will love, it's good for so many things. Um, Calm will lower your cortisol. It's good for hormones, good for any of us who suffer from chronic illness and all the nasty symptoms that come along with it. I haven't been this obsessed with a product in a long time, so fall in love with it. You guys are going to love, love, love. Enjoy. Now let's head into this episode with Jonathan. It's super special and I can't wait to hear your thoughts. We're, okay. in the, we're in the energy bubble vortex. This is the energy bubble vortex, and it, it's going to be a great conversation. I'm here with my husband, Jonathan Albrecht. He is hosting the show today. I'm hosting. First, Let me know. First time ever that somebody else is hosting the Soul on Fire podcast. So that must mean I trust you. I trust you with this show. I trust you. I came prepared. With my heart. 
Oh, thanks, Baba. Let's do it. I'm so excited. Well, here we go. Episode 201. Episode 201, baby. Best sequence of numbers there ever was with the lovely, the beautiful, the talented, the stunning Jordan. <laughs> Hunter, Aww. younger Albrecht, my beautiful bride. You are too good to me. Should we set the scene? Sure, let's set the scene. It's Saturday. It's Saturday evening. It's 8 p.m. 8 p.m. We got a little squeaky man behind us. I'm looking Looks like at you just my, ate dinner. Yep. I think Squeaky just had dinner. Looking at my handsome husband oh, across hey. the table from What's me. Up? And I can't wait to get into it with you. I can't see what question I can't wait to see what questions you brought for episode 201. A celebration episode. Episode Yay. 201. I, I came with some uh, some some good ones. I bet you did. And I cannot wait to hear them. How are you is the first one. How are you, Jordan Younger? How are you feeling? That's such a good question. Did you see that I put on my Instagram the other day? I wish more people would ask, how no, are you? I, it's not the first time you've said that, but... Well, I feel like it was somebody said to me, somebody did an ode to the Balance Bond podcast questions and said, if um, you can be asked a question that you've never been asked, that you're not all, that you're not often asked, what would it be? And I said, I wish more people would just say, how are you? How are you feeling in this moment? Well, I just did. I know. My husband gets me. I feel really good. You woke me up in an amazing way this morning. You had spa music playing. You made me celery juice. You gave me a hand massage. Okay, this was, that was private, all that, everybody. You was, could just men in black forget anything she just said. It was so nice. I was and, very excited, actually, that you didn't post anything about it. And it, I was like, wow, she hasn't mentioned any of this, which feels really good for me. So, but well, just I've been off my phone all day, which is why I'm feeling on the podcast. I'm feeling good because I've been off my phone all day and owed to you and a lot of the inspiration that you bring into my life to live in the moment. And I've been reading all day. I read 150 pages of a Harper Lee book that I got when we were in Utah at a store called Atticus, which I love for very many, many reasons. And I just feel so, so happy. So thank you for asking that question. You're very welcome. So I wrote down maybe a dozen questions. Okay. The first one also tried to pull questions. People wouldn't even know to ask you because they're not married to you. Um, and just questions that maybe people have never asked you before. So first one, you grew up in Sacramento, California. I think most of your followers know that. Uh, I don't know if most of your followers know that you attended the same school your whole life. You're what they call a lifer at country day. Yes. That is crazy. The thought of what? Pre, pre-K? Pre-K. All the way to 12th grade. Yep. Same school. Same school that all the way through. Me. What was that like? That's such a good question. Well, I think it's a very interesting experience to go to the same school for 14 years and to be with most of the same people for 14 years as well. So my friends at Country Day became my family. They were maids of honor in my wedding, a couple of the girls that I grew up with at Country Day. And I just think it was a very unique experience. It was a very creative school. 
They had us focusing on the things that we loved from a very young age. In kindergarten, I was taking Spanish. We had the choice between Spanish and French. And in first grade, I was writing long books and illustrating them, drawing people, my signature tall, skinny people with beautiful clothes. I was so into that. and um, Drawing that. Yeah, I was so into drawing, um, which I started doing with my nanny. And then obviously I was doing it at school too. And I would illustrate these books. And this was something that we were all doing. So it would be pictures and text? Basically, yeah. So so kind of like Instagram. You know, yes. If you think of it, if you and draw it all the way back, you? yes. I was in first grade. That's crazy. Yeah. You were basically, your mind was constructing Instagram for a six. For a I was. So the assignment would be to write a short story, I think, but we were just learning how to write. We were very Which is young. basically your Instagram posts, I, just short stories. <laughs> True. <laughs> My long captions. Everybody knows I have long captions, but I would I, write- I think, hold on. I have to interrupt. I think Jordan's asked me for help on one caption and I was like, having fun outside. And she's like, don't, don't you know, I have at least- like a paragraph in every yeah, single Yeah, come on. Where's the depth in that, mister? But it was like a good one-liner. It wasn't... I know. Okay. I don't Continue. feel like I'm one of those people who can pull off a one-liner. But, so going back to first grade, our assignment would be to write a short story. I would write a 40-page book. And I remember my teacher is saying to me, you're a really good writer and you're going to grow up and be an author. And it was something that not only would they tell me, but it was something that I could see for myself and that I really wanted. And as we can see now, influenced my career, instilled a lot of confidence in me at a young age. And yeah, by fourth grade, I was writing like 100 pages about the Monterey Bay Aquarium. I can't say it was interesting. I have no idea. Um, handwritten- I've never had a teacher once say, you should do this. What are you interested in? You should pursue this. I went to public school. I loved it. Uh, I didn't. I didn't think I got a terrible education. No. I just didn't think I got any of the one-on-one. When it sounds like that, you guys got. Yeah. No. I'm. I think that you had a great education, and I'm sure you did. Rather, it was just at Country Day. It was a very. It felt like a family. It was like a close-knit little unit, and. Still, all my dreams at night occur at country day, even last night. And there's something to that. I don't know what it is. Well, you've been there longer than anywhere. Yeah, I've spent more time there than I've spent anywhere else. And Because you had two homes growing up. So you've been to country day longer than you've been at both of your homes. You're right. More than any home I've actually ever been in. And um, what was also cool about country day was that when I was in middle school and high school, I had the opportunity to work in the pre-K. And that was everything to me. I actually thought that I wanted to be a kindergarten teacher or a preschool teacher because those kids became my life. It was the highlight of my everyday. Katie and I joke that we had more friends in pre-K than we did in high school, which is actually true um, because we spent all of our time in the pre-K and those kids now are in college, some of them, which is wild, wild. And pre-K, they're now in college. Yeah. Watching them grow up and being there in their classrooms, helping their teachers. We were basically like teachers. Were there any stick out, standouts that you still remember? 
Of course. I think about them every day. And they graduated. I know. There's a little boy named Juan Carlos. He was so cute. He was adopted by his dad and he didn't have a mom. And I was in seventh grade. And I remember me and my friend Kayla, we like fantasized about like, what if we were able to adopt him someday? We loved him so much. And all the kids, I mean, I feel like I've told you about some of them because I ended up babysitting some of them outside of school, getting really close to their families, which might sound like a lot, but at country day, that was just pretty much the norm. It was like a big family and I've taken you to the campus. It's a special place. It's a tiny place. It's a really cool place. And I've hands down been randomly ran into more people who have gone to your 42 person country day school and then my entire high school. Uh, And I'm from here in LA. So, what about how your best friend, JD, his brother, went to high school with me at country day? That we will never get over. Yeah. Never, ever. When I realized that, you guys listening, I saw a picture of this boy that I went to high school with at my tiny school in Jonathan's best friend's photo and then quickly realized they were brothers. They look identical. That is the kind of small world that we live in. Mark Davidson, shout out out to Mark. He was at our wedding. We go way back. Okay. So aside from country day, when you were a kid, where did you find your creative inspiration? Ooh, aside from school, when I was a kid, I found my creative inspiration through um, drawing, reading. I was always reading. I read so many books when I was young. I would sit at the kitchen table for hours with my nanny and draw. Like I mentioned, the really tall, really skinny people with lots of clothes. And actually, my nanny always thought I was going to be a fashion designer when I grew up for that reason, which is hilarious. Kind of funny. It's funny now because I am not into fashion compared to so many women that I know. I was inspired by everything when I was little. When you're little, I feel like everything piques your curiosity. And we didn't have phones. We didn't have computers. Like the world was our oyster. That must have been nice having someone like Nanny like foster your creativity. Yeah, it was like a built-in best friend at home. I didn't have young siblings with me. My siblings were so much older. It's like your best friend could just live with you. It, it was like that. Yeah. And siblings, you fight and they're paid. So you never got to fight. You had a sibling you couldn't fight with. My nanny and I would actually bicker like siblings, but my nanny was more like a grandmother to me. She's, you know, 82 now. And she was like a second mom slash grandma slash sibling slash best friend. She's so fun to this day. She's a she's kid. She's pretty cool. She's I'm a not going to lie. A kid at heart. Yeah. We uh, in DM on Instagram. Yeah, she's she more sends proficient me, in Instagram. Uh, voice notes. <laughs> oh my God. She's more proficient in Instagram than like any adult that I know. And she's in her 80s. It's so cute that she sends you voice notes. We FaceTime with her. She's the best. She is the best. Okay. So creative inspiration when you're a kid, mostly anything because you're a kid. Yeah. And I would say though, the component, because I'm just like diving in like how Jordan became Jordan is kind of the theme I'm trying to share with people. And you, when you're a kid, your imagination is endless, but usually there's, you'll fight with a sibling or, you know, you'll be told by your parents, you spend too much time drawing, like whatever it may be. The fact that you had a nanny, I think really helped 
like more than I've ever thought about before, which is kind of cool. I think so too. I think she played such a pivotal role in my life. When I think about my childhood, I think about her. I think about Country Day. I think about my parents and certain friends, but she's right at the top of that list. Okay. So Joan, we love you. Uh, Inspiration as a kid, kind of figured that out. Where do you find your creative inspiration today? Today, I find my creative inspiration still off my phone. When I get out in nature, when I let my thoughts run wild and I reconnect to my ideas and my imagination. So basically reconnecting to my inner child, just like we're talking about. Um, when so you're, nature? Uh-huh. I was going to say when you're a kid, your imagination just runs free. That's what I try to tap back into all the time as an adult. So I've been able to do that with vacations that you and I have been on when we've been really good, or I should say I have been really good about not being on my phone because you're good about that all the time. I find inspiration in podcasts that I listen to, books that I read, and honestly, the less time I can spend on my phone these days, I'm finding that is inspiration number one. Cool. Okay. You said podcasts. Top five podcasts that you would recommend right now. Okay. Podcasts in general or podcast episodes? No, podcasts, like okay, people that you listen podcasts. to. Or episodes, if there's a specific episode. Okay, because I can usually think of specific episodes. Um, but let's just say general podcasts for now. I love the Skinny Confidential podcast, Lauren and Michael. Lauren is my fellow reflector, but I've known her for years and she's an amazing blogger, podcaster, and so is Michael. Is there um, a particular episode? Why don't you do your top five and then if there's a particular episode? Okay. Well, I recently listened to an episode that they did with Amelia Hamlin, who is Lisa Renna and Harry Hamlin's daughter. I thought that one was so interesting. It was like a two-hour episode. They talked about eating disorders. They talked about... Um, health and wellness and funny stories. It was just super entertaining. Kate and Oliver Hudson's podcast. Specifically, I just listened to an episode with Kendall Jenner and Kourtney Kardashian on Kate and Oliver's podcast that I thought was so entertaining given that I love the Kardashians and it was cool to hear them have a candid conversation. Um, I feel like all the Kardashian interviews are so... Uh, moderated or like so prepared. This was so conversational and so interesting. And then general podcasts. I love um, Kenzie Burke's podcast. It's brand new. I love Wake Up with Wesley. She's actually coming on the podcast this week. She's a friend of mine. It's a spiritual podcast. It's really good. Very cool. And I will always love um, the Goop podcast. I think they have such interesting people Is it Gwyneth that hosts it? Gwyneth hosts it along with Elise, who's the chief content officer. Mm -hmm. You know Elise? Yeah, we met. We met Elise. Yeah, at Lauren's house. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. Good memory, my love. So yeah, those are my top five that I can think of. Well, the reason I remember Elise is because I always think most businesses have like the front person. Like in NERD, it's Pharrell. Everyone knows of Pharrell. But like... Or sorry, the Neptunes. Right. Everyone usually knows about Pharrell. But Chad Hugo is a guy who played most of the instruments. Uh, super talented. No one really knows about Chad. I always say like every company has a Chad. And I feel like Elise is the backbone of 
Yeah, she's the Chad, but I feel like she's becoming more well-known because Goop was on Netflix and um, she was a big part of that show. She co-hosts the podcast, but of course, Gwyneth is the face. She's Gwyneth. Great face. (laughs) Beautiful face. What do you think makes those five with the Goop six uh, podcasts so great? Is it how they ask questions? Is it just like, what, what about it? They're all really different. I think in terms of the first two that I mentioned, Lauren and Michael and Kate and Oliver, I think they ask very good questions. I think it's helpful to have the perspective from the female and the male perspective on both of those podcasts. They're all funny. They're lighthearted. They're entertaining. I like to go to those podcasts to learn a lot of information and listen to interesting conversations. The other ones I like for the content, for like the spiritual content. Um, Kenzie and Wesley are people that I feel like are always learning new things when it comes to living optimally and tapping into your spirituality. That's the kind of stuff that I feel like I'm also going through in my life. So I like to listen to that kind of stuff. And then Goop is just good questions. Reminds me of like a radio show. Always the guests you want to hear from. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Sweet. I love it. All right. You talked about podcasts. You talked about uh, reading books. What books would you suggest your followers to read or look into? What three books uh, from the last year? That I've read from the last year? That that you've read. Okay. Because I read a lot of books that are not like brand new. but It doesn't have to be from this last year. They came out. Just well, three three books you've read. It depends on their interests, but I think everybody can get behind Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. I actually gave that book to my dad. He loved it and he's reading it a second time. So I'm very proud of him for that. It talks, it's all about philosophy and stoicism and how our ego gets in the way of everything we do. I find that book to be really helpful for dealing with criticism and also how to handle praise because it basically, if people praise you, like for this podcast and say, Jordan, I love this podcast. It changed my life. You're such a great host. If I take that in, that's my ego. Like, oh, that's so exciting. People like me. And then I get a hate comment that says she's the worst host ever. And then of course the ego takes that in, in the exact same way. Basically ego is the enemy is all about just coasting on through and knowing who you are in your heart, not letting the outside words sway you so much one way or the other, doing things because you want to do them, not for the praise, not for the accolades, not for the fame, quote and, unquote. And it looks like a pretty small book, like a smaller book. Yes, I think it's a good read. I look at books and I immediately size it up. Like, what font is that? How many pages? <laughs> it's a big font, short book. It's yep, like big font, short book, and cool, cool title. And I'm you could really probably get it. through it in a day. And I've Ryan Holiday that. is the author of the Daily Stoic. I hesitate to say the same author for my second book, but I think. The Daily Stoic is actually going to be my number two on this list because talk about easy. Everybody can read one page a day. It's basically a quote um, from a Stoic. Same author? Same author, Ryan Holiday. Very cool. Has he been on the podcast? uh, No, but I keep telling him he should come on. Dude, what the hell, Ryan? 
Ryan, if you're listening, please come on the podcast. He just messaged me because he has a new book coming out. And I was like, come on the podcast. I need well, to make sure. Two out of three have been in your recommendations. So I know. So the Daily Stoic, it is a quote about Stoic philosophy and then just a little kind of like modern spin on it. What from is him. Stoic? Okay, so Stoicism is, it's a form of ancient Greek philosophy and a lot of like, a lot of famous ancient philosophers are, they derive their schools of thought from Stoicism. So it's all about virtue, living by the highest good. It's based on knowledge, um, living in harmony with the divine order of things. And it's all about Basically approaching things in a stoic manner, so not an emotional manner, not reading into things, not doing the whole, we tell ourselves so many stories and blah, blah, blah. It's stoic people are all about self-control and fortitude and overcoming emotions. So as an emotional creature myself, I have found it really helpful to read the Daily Stoic every morning. There's also a Daily Stoic journal. And then number three, I'm just going to hit you with a totally different style of book. Love that. Something that I'm reading today is, um, it's called Mockingbird Letters. Wait, Mockingbird Songs. And it's Letters with Harper Lee, the author of To Kill a Mockingbird with a, with a good friend of hers, about two decades worth of letters and you get to know her as a person. She's an author that I admire so much, one of the literary greats. And I've been reading her book all day. I've been crying. I've been laughing. I've been getting chills. Like if you like To Kill a Mockingbird and you like literary greatness when it comes to authors, I feel like learning about the background of their lives is so cool. Yeah. No, wow. That does sound really cool. Maybe I'll pick up that after I pick up the It's also stoic. an easy read. It's a quick read. Stoic sounds good too. Yes, the Daily Stoic. Daily Stoic. Cool. Cool three. Like three. So we talked about growing up and then we kind of diverted to creative inspiration. But I want to go back to growing up because when you were nine, I think, you had pneumonia and whooping cough. Yes. and. I don't know if it was in that order, but you also, like, if you just had pneumonia, that's bad at nine. But you had pneumonia and this, like, vintage, <laughs> like, disease, this 1800s, like, people don't died get in, what in, or, in Oregon Trail, like, you have died of dysentery or you have died of whooping cough. Yes. Like, that's crazy. I got a vintage disease. It was disease. 1996, 1998. 1999, I think. I was in third grade. So I was, I think, spanning the ages of eight to nine. I didn't even know whooping cough was still around. People have whooping cough today? No, it's very rare. I mean, people get whooping cough from time to time. I think if anyone gets whooping cough, I think it's usually elderly people. Um, and it affects anyone terribly because it's so hard on your lungs. You basically cough until you choke and or throw up. So you have to be monitored constantly, especially as a child. So yeah, I got this. The way that we think it happened um, was there was mold in my third grade classroom and nine of us out of 40 got pneumonia. And for me, that pneumonia weakened my immune system to the point where I also got whooping cough at the same time. And this was so scary for my family. It was way more scary for my family than it was for me because I was so young. 
I was staying home from school and I didn't know how serious it was. I didn't know that my mom thought I was going to die every day. That's crazy. So what did that look like? Like you had to stay home from school, right? For like a year? Yeah. So I stayed home from school for about a year and I had this amazing teacher in third grade that would bring me my homework or, and she would bring over movies if they watched movies in class, educational movies about history and things. She would visit with me and sit by my bed because I was in bed for a year and I, I lost 20 pounds. Um, I was throwing up every single meal that 20 I ate. 20 pounds at nine. Yeah. So I think if you're about like 80 pounds to begin with or something, you can imagine how deteriorating that is. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. And my mom said I would have lost even more, a lot more weight, but I was eating constantly. I was starving all the time, which was a good sign the whole way through. I was throwing up all day long, but in between I wanted sandwiches with ruffles and dip. And like, I was going all you out with my yet, food. Obviously. I was not vegan. Let's just put it that way. Hashtag not vegan yet. And, um, my friends would come and visit me and I felt a lot of love. Like ultimately I was so sad because I loved school. I loved being at school with my friends. I loved learning. I was super academic. So I hated missing school. And every day I would be like, can I go back to school? Can I go back to school? And that just wasn't an option. Um, my mom did like a 5,000 piece puzzle on on my floor because she could never leave my room. Mom's a saint. My mom's a saint. So is my dad. They, either one of them had to sleep with me for years after that, actually. Um, I was always such an independent kid. But from there, I think I developed... So you, you would share a bed with just one of them? Just one of them. Because I had... They I had would a, take turns sleeping with you and the other would sleep and, in, in their main yeah. bed? Wow. So I think when I was really sick with whooping cough, it was usually my mom. Because my mom... Obviously, she's a mom. She's a mama bear, so she wouldn't leave my side. But my dad was the one who would have to carry me outside and punch on my chest so that I would throw up. I know it sounds... I wish you guys could see Jonathan's face. It sounds so bad. Until um, you threw up, you'd punch your chest. You sorry, threw my up. back. My back. I don't oh, know okay. if I said my chest. Um, he would hit on my back until I would With throw up. With a flat up. hand. Yeah. Okay. You said punch. You, were, you originally said punch your chest. Okay, so I I'm said it wrong. So I'm picturing your dad with a fist punching your front chest till you threw up. Oh my God, that sounds oh so God, bad. Oh my God, that visual. No, no, no. I'm sorry. He would hit my back. Oh my God. Um, So funny. No, I remember this like it was yesterday. He would hit my back. It was all very uh, in good health. Yes. Um, Until I would throw up, my mom would be on the phone with a night nurse like, this just happened. Should we bring her in? Every day, my poor mom thought I was going to die. And um, whooping cough, there's no cure. It runs its course. After it ran its course, pneumonia was running its course. And... Yeah, there's pictures of me around this time. I was white as a sheet, white as paper. I had black rings under my eyes. But all I cared about was like doing my homework, getting back to school. I was very happy-go-lucky. 
Just a brief interruption from this episode with Jonathan to talk about Public Goods, the one-stop shop that I have been going to for absolutely all of my needs during this pandemic. And I would have been using it earlier if I had known about it earlier. But specifically during the pandemic, it makes life so easy. I'm so thankful for Public Goods. I'm getting so many amazing, affordable, sustainable, healthy household products on publicgoods.com. They have everything from home and personal care to premium pantry staples all in one place. And so rather than buying from a bunch of single product brands, Public Goods members can buy all of their premium essentials in one place with one beautiful, streamlined aesthetic. They search the globe to find clean, healthy, eco-friendly, and innovative products like sulfate-free shampoo, organic pesto, and tree-free paper products. So I've been so into all things sustainable lately. I think it's so important. Knowing what's in our products and where they come from is so important. And these small changes that we can make as consumers and in the way that we shop can make such a big impact on personal health and on the world at large. So my favorite public goods products, they range all over the board. I love their shampoo and conditioner. Like I mentioned, it's sulfate-free, it's sustainable, it's cruelty-free, it's vegan. Obviously, I'm using the hand sanitizer a lot right now. Um, Again, it's sustainable, it's good for sensitive skin, it's something that we are all doing right now to boost our immune system. They have body wash, they have deodorant, they have pantry staples. So if you're into all the different pantry staples like nut butter and granola and even like tote bags for your vegetables, um, garlic almonds are so delicious. I've been getting those from there. They have ramen noodles. Everything is super affordable and the best of its kind. So you can go to publicgoods.com slash blonde to receive $15 off of your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right. They are so confident that you will absolutely love their products and come back again and again that they are giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase. You have nothing to lose. Just go to publicgoods.com slash blonde or use the code blonde at checkout. That is P-U-B-L-I-C. G-O-O-D-S dot com forward slash blonde to receive $15 off of your first order. And everything is so affordable on their site. You can you can get a full free order with that $15. So enjoy, check them out, tag me on Instagram when you try as always. And now back into this episode with Jonathan. When you got back to school, was it like a standing ovation signs, the, the, the trumpets and parade. (laughs) Yes. No trumpets, but my whole third grade class. So there's two classrooms, three A and three B. Um, everyone was outside cheering for me. There was welcome back signs. I remember some of the boys in my class who, you know, this was back before like boys and girls would always talk to each other. Even the boys were coming up to me like, I'm so glad you're okay. And it was very, it was so heartwarming. And I remember that vividly. That's the thing about me. You know this, my memory is very precise. It's crazy. So I remember the boys coming up to me, the girls, every, no matter if we were friends or not, everyone was super welcoming. And I was back in school for half days for 
at least another year. Um, and I had to bring my inhaler with me everywhere I went. And I got this like special treatment all the time. You so love that. I thought I was so cool. I loved the special treatment. If we were taking, did you guys ever have to take ERBs? No. I I think that is a private school thing. It's the hell a, is that? It's like a standardized test, like an IQ test. I don't know. Big standardized we, testing. Okay. Well, we had to take ERBs every year. Maybe it was and called ERB. Go but into my public um, school education eludes me. I don't know. So ERBs. I was so excited because if I wanted to like take a break from the ERBs, I would just walk up to my teacher and be like, I need to use my inhaler. And I abused this privilege. And so of course my teacher's like, oh, Jordan, take all the time you need. So I would walk around outside puffing my inhaler. I thought I was so cool. That is hilarious. And I never knew that about you. I know. Wow. Learning new things about your wife. So you're this inhaling... Like ERB taking, like <laughs> checks, you're back at school. It's the third or fourth grade now. And, you know, you're you're writing, you're getting that creative juice from, you know, having nanny at home and just being a kid. And then high school comes, right? Uh, middle school would come next. No, I'm but... saying we're fast forwarding. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're in so high, high school, school now. eventually comes. High school eventually comes. Jordan always corrects me when I'm not perfectly uh, accurate with my wording. So thank you, Beb. Time and Jonathan are not, they don't run on the same uh, wavelength, but it's yeah. all good. Yeah. Time, time is an illusion. It is. Like, I hate time. Um, <laughs> okay. So you're in high school. You're a party girl in high school from what I hear. Yes, I was. I need to know the party girl, where did like, was it like an overnight shift or was it, um, let me see. What was the purpose? What was the reasoning? Like where, how did you transition into that? Like, what was the motivation behind it? Yeah. I don't think it was overnight at all. I think when I was in middle school, You know, social life was like my everything. I was always, like I said, so academic and I never really gave that part of me up. But my social life was very important to me, hanging out with all my friends. And even when I was younger and we would go to Arden Hills, this country club that a lot of people belong to and like hang out all day without our parents. Like I loved to do that kind of stuff. And so I think the gradual next step for me was to just go to parties and drink and um do you remember the first time you went drinking yeah vividly (laughs) it was it was sophomore year of high school um and it was new year's we went to our friend brian's house that was danielle's boyfriend at the time and brian's mom kind of would just like turn a blind eye so we could kind of do anything there and we drank and also smoked, got high for the first time ever um, on the same night. Yeah, that's okay. So yeah, I took nine shots of vodka. I smoked out of a bong that was bigger than my torso. This was your first time? Yes. It's not It's not smart. I wouldn't recommend this to any young person. All I did the whole night was cry. I cried and How cried How were you and not cried. passed out? I don't know. 
I guess I have a strong body. Andrew and I, first time we got drunk was seventh grade. I know a big yeah, difference. Yeah. But we had one beer. Mm-hmm. And, and I you remember passed being, out? Not passed out. I just remember <laughs> being drunk. Well, I guess your wife has a higher tolerance than you, especially in high school. Yeah, so, high school you. No, I took nine shots. I was so drunk. My mom picked us up way later that night and then went home. I got sick at home. I threw up a lot. And then the next no- morning we woke up. Bella was a baby, my niece. And Jeff was like, I'm going to show you how to not have a hangover. And Jeff like made Jeff toast, <laughs> toast for all my friends and water. And he's like, no, next time you have to have Advil at night and drink water. And like, I can't have you being so messy. And he taught me a lot. So shout out to the best brother ever for, for hooking me up with some tips. So first time drinking that. 10th grade, which seems really late, but uh, you... Seems then, really late to you, but we were still only 15. Yeah, no, I'm saying late to me. Um, but you you did a lot more crazy shit than, than I did in high school. Yeah. I, I did my first psychedelic experience when I was 20. You, like, tried everything, right? What didn't you try... Or what did you try? However you want to phrase it. I fully tried mostly everything. Uh, Not even on purpose at times, but I... Well, for the people, it's to find almost everything. Okay. So there are things I didn't do. Um, I didn't do heroin. I didn't purposely do meth. Meth was an accident. Um, Oh my God. Tell that story. So I had a brownie that was supposed to be a weed brownie, but I bought it off the street like a 16-year-old idiot. and oh, From I, who? From like an old person? Um, so we were at this festival in Davis called the Whole Earth Festival. To this day, this is like the hippiest, most high out of your mind festival that exists. And families go there and stuff too. But like a lot of kids go there and get really messed up. So um, I was just ready to have like a very mind-altering experience. And I smoking hash and eating mushrooms. But my friend who gave us the mushrooms said, "You these won't even make you feel anything. Just eat them like they're sunflower seeds. My jaw, everyone is on the floor mm-hmm. right now. To quote him verbatim, just eat them like they're sunflower seeds. You would need to eat an entire bag to feel anything. So I'm just like eating some mushroom caps, smoking some hash and decide to purchase a weed brownie off of a stranger on the street who was also going to the festival. So my friend and I split the brownie and a few, maybe an hour later, because no, nothing was hitting us. And when you're young and you think all these substances that you're trying are going to hit you right away, you just end up taking more. And that was mistake number one. Yeah, so, it's pretty dangerous. Oh, so dangerous. So we we split this brownie about an hour later. We are on a different planet. We are we went to the festival briefly. There were fire dancers, performers. We were freaking out and she and I, we had to get out of there. So we left the festival. We're walking through the cow fields of Davis. Anyone from Northern California but can for understand. The record, it could have been like MDMA or something. Well, there was a reason that I thought it was what it was. And that's because of everything that we felt, not only that night, but for days after. So um, we were hallucinating and 
fully seeing things that weren't there, that was the mushrooms. Um, now that I've had beautiful experiences with mushrooms in my late 20s, I can see that that was the mushrooms. Other things were happening. Um, our brains were altered and that's what was really scary from whatever was in that brownie. So for days, she and I were unwell, but um, the yeah, night I itself- I don't know meth- much about meth, but I'm pretty sure it does last like days. Yeah. So there were so many reasons and I wish that I knew this was so many years ago, but I remember looking it up and- and she and I saying, and we actually confided in a teacher at Country Day about this. And we, the three of us, That's realized crazy. this is this is what it was. This is probably what it was. I can't say that that was it for sure, but it was so terrifying. I had insomnia and paranoia for weeks. We were taking finals. We were in high school. We were taking finals the next week, and our brains were shot. So it was scary. And from there, I actually decided that I hated drugs. Love that. So maybe that was a positive. I was only an alcohol girl from there on out. Yeah. And didn't try psychedelics again until I was with you in a conscious way. Yeah. And I say, I love that. I love that she wasn't, you know, trying and experimenting with. No, I was like an innocent rebel, if you could put it that way. I was rebellious compared to how I am now. I didn't do anything too wild after that one experience. It was all about alcohol. We would throw parties and have these raging parties. But for me, I was only drinking alcohol. Yeah, that's good. Because you never gotten the chemical stuff, which, you know, I don't like. So that's awesome. Yes, important. And psychedelics are are good once you understand what the purpose is. And I think a lot of the time when you experiment with it for the first time, you're in high school, you're in groups, you're out in public, and I would never recommend that for a first timer. Yes. You taught me the art of going out into nature, either alone or just you and I together and enjoying the beauty of the elements and having this conscious expansion experience. But yeah, I never thought I would do any mind-altering substance again. So Maybe that's why I never saw it as a bad thing because I felt like if I'm using it as this medicine, I didn't even think of it back then as that, but I would never want to do anything with anybody because I didn't want them to affect my experience. Yeah, that was really wise of you because when you're on any kind of psychedelic or substance like that, other people's energy is everything. Like they can bring you down, they can bring you up. It's it's a it's a gamble. Yeah. So that was smart. Okay. Thanks, babe. So you're this wild ass chick, right? <laughs> you're wild ass chick. Your sisters were some wild ass chicks. Yes, very. And Your brother wasn't that much. Exactly. But the difference between you and them, I think, is you don't back down to your dad. True. And everyone loves your dad. I love your dad. Your dad is one of my, like, seriously, he's one of my best friends. Like, I absolutely love every time we get to hang out. Uh, He makes me feel like the funniest person in the world. (laughs) His laugh is infectious. There are few people that have such an infectious laugh. And he's awesome. Every time you post about him on your stories or or anywhere, like you get so many comments. Uh, I think it's without saying that your dad is 
one of the coolest, nicest, sweetest, generous people I know. I think everyone can relate. But there's a side of him that a lot of people don't know because he doesn't have social media and, you know, he's pretty private. Uh, But I would say that his type A personality uh, has molded you into the person that you are in more ways than, uh, than any other. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think your mom's nurturing side, as you shared, is like evident in who you are equally, but a lot of what you carry with you every single day, and maybe even feeds into some of your health issues Mm -hmm. is because of your dad. And, um, so I want to just hear from you a little bit, that relationship, how it's changed over your life and how it affects you like on a daily basis. Yeah. So my dad, so you're totally right. Everybody sees the Byron on Instagram who's fun loving bartender. Well, he's not actually a bartender, but he is at home. A blast makes everybody laugh. He's amazing. Um, he's a reflector in human design like me. People know, people know that stuff about him because I share it all the time. But what people don't really know is my dad and I butt heads like crazy when I was younger. We are very similar. And my dad is a big yeller. He's he has a very short temper and he'll explode about the tiniest things. He's extremely neat type A. He is obsessive compulsive in a real way. And um, he and I are twins. He and you are twins, but you don't have the same temper that he has, but you have the same type A tendencies. And it's true that we find someone similar to our dads. It's it's true. But I'm so thankful that you don't have his temper. Because when I was young, yes, he would explode and I would explode right back. And so, as you mentioned, my dad always says, I was his first child that wasn't scared of him. And for better or for worse, I wasn't scared of him. He would tantrum. I would tantrum. My poor mom was just like, what is this monster that that we have created? Um, And we didn't really get along, my dad and I, until I was an adult. And we had times where we would get along when I was younger, but very few and far between. And was there a particular conversation that changed things? I think it was just me getting older. I don't think there was a particular conversation. I think when my mom would go out of town when I was in high school, my dad would be forced to um, be more involved in my life. Then we would get closer, even if we were fighting, because he would discover that I snuck people into the house and then he would kick them out and then we would fight, but then we would make up and those situations brought us closer together. Um, cause my mom was like the one who was involved in my life until I was older. And, um, yeah, I think my dad, he puts a tremendous amount of pressure on himself and he puts a tremendous amount of amount of pressure on me. And I'm the youngest of four kids. I had wonderful education opportunities, things that my dad didn't have in his own life. And so, Rightly so. He wants the world for his baby girl. And that's a wonderful thing, but the pressure is not. And the pressure is super unhealthy. So 
as I've done a lot of deep work into asking myself, why am I sick? And what are these inherent patterns in myself of this deep pressure? It definitely originates from him and it originates from his lineage and the way that his mother, his mother was with him. Her mother's mother was with her on and on through the whole lineage. And this pressure gives me anxiety. You know, I don't sleep well at night. Um, I'm a perfectionist. Nothing is ever good enough for me. And I do think that that's the root of a lot of my chronic illness and pain. I I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. And I also feel that it like, while you were talking, I'm thinking to myself, you know that this is a major contributor to your anxiety. How come it's so difficult? And I say this because most of us have a general idea of what we need to shift. Like for me, certain things in my communication that I'm working on, I know what they are. You know what your things are. Why and why why is it so hard to to acknowledge those or like be aware of it when we're feeling that way or communicating that way? And then also like how do you break it? I mean, those are the questions I'm asking myself now. Um I think the hardest thing to do when you have anxiety is to be level-headed in the moment. I think you can be really level-headed when you're out of a situation and try to prevent it and think, okay, next time I feel this like anxiety attack coming on, these are my tools. I can meditate. I can breathe. I can go outside. But do you do those things? Depending on the situation, yes. I mean, if I'm feeling anxious and I don't have anywhere to be, then yeah, I'll take myself on a long walk outside and inevitably I'll feel better. But if I'm in the middle of a podcast episode and I'm having an unprompted anxiety attack, like with a guest, I can't really do anything about it. So I'm stuck in my head and then I have to deal with it internally. Do you have, so you're saying that in order to deal with it right now, at least you don't have the tools to deal with it internally. It just depends on how bad it is. I think I do have the tools like most of the time. I think some anxiety comes on a lot stronger than others. And a time that comes to mind is when I was flying home from Hawaii and I was by myself. You were already home. And I had one of the biggest panic attacks I've ever had. And there was no like saving, saving myself in the moment. There was no talking myself down or telling myself it's fine. Just meditate. Like I felt like I couldn't breathe. And I'm not saying that that is related to the pressure that my dad has put on me, but I think the pressure my dad has put on me is more related to my perfectionism in my career and why nothing ever feels like good enough sometimes. Um, Cause that's a very much a him mentality where I feel like I'm so different from him inherently. I'm actually a lot more like his father who was super content, glass half full. I feel like I'm much more like that. But when I have my dad saying things to me like, yeah, you're doing good, but why aren't you doing better? Then yeah, it's inevitable to not listen to him. Yeah. So, I mean, there's two anxieties you were talking about. One was like the 
very brief, heavy on a plane type deal. But then the other, which is almost worse, is this like 10% underlining. It's worse. Yeah, it's worse. 20, like 30, you're saying, whatever. it's like all day, every day, this kind of thing that's like hanging around and I feel it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that sucks. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm working on it now. I think it's very clear to me that, you know, my belief is that we travel as souls through lifetimes together and we teach each other what we need to teach and learn. And my dad came to me in this lifetime to teach me these things so that I can be better, so that I, I know, my soul can evolve. And I'm certainly here to teach him. I, I know that we've talked about the concept of your dad when he's like, yeah, you got, you know, like two sponsorships. Why didn't you get three sponsorships? Um, that's his, I interpret it as that's his way of saying like, that's a, you know, you're doing great, babe. I, you're doing awesome. You know, you should be so proud of yourself and, you know, don't, don't settle. Yeah. That's how he feels. That's how he feels. He was always, he'll always tell me because everybody listening, don't think I haven't spoken to my dad about exactly how I feel and what I need from him. And he agrees with me every time. And he always says, it's just his way of saying to me, don't settle and don't rest because he's very afraid that I'm just going to be like, okay, I conquered everything. Never yeah, working two. again. I'm done now. And then that's not who I am. So, so, so is it possible, like, if if that's the translator, is that dialogue? Your dad says two, why don't you do three? You could take that information in and decode it as my dad means that he just doesn't want me to get complacent and not work my hardest. And your reaction to a response like that could be like, yeah, dad, you know, totally. Yes. And if he and I weren't so similar, that would be an easier thing to do. But uh, when it comes to communication, communication doesn't come about in a very calm manner with my dad. So it's not like, oh, ha ha, should have had three. It's like, he's probably yelling. He probably has bank statements in his hand that he's pointing at and referencing and it's heated. It's heated to begin with. And um, yeah. Jordan, why did you spend $72 on a banana? It's organic. (laughs) So yeah, there's that stuff. But of course I'm working on my reactions. I mean, I think that's something that can make us happier in life no matter who we're dealing with. So to be stoic, going back to that, yeah, partly to be, stoic. Be, more, be less reactive. Yeah, the stoics are all about being less reactive and not letting your destructive emotions take advantage of you. And there's a reason why I gave my dad the daily stoic and ego is the enemy and he loves both. So I think he and I, we, we are so similar. So we're working on a lot of the similar things. He's in his 70s. I'm going to be 30 next month. But what, what? we, yeah, we're both learning. It's really cool. I'm finding that in business, in business books, in life coaching, uh, being the recipient of a life coach, not me doing life coaching. <laughs> You'd be a good life coach. Um, got a lot torn. Uh, that 
there is a common theme in the books that you're reading, and it's just being less reactive, being more even keel, not letting your emotions get the best of you, managing yes. your frustrations. Yes. That is a mantra of 2020 for me, and it's helping me so much. When, when I master it, I will be in an even better place. Love that. Okay. What advice and from who comes to mind that has profoundly shifted your perspective? Oh, man. What advice and from who comes to mind that has profoundly shifted your perspective? You wanted to say it twice? For the people, not for you. I know. Okay. I need to hear, like, I would be like kind of driving and I would hear a question and I'd be like, oh, shit, I wish I was paying attention. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, there's a few things. I guess if we're talking direct advice that's been given to me this year, um, Peter Crone, who's been on this podcast, who you Are and you I saying both Peter love. just because I'm a big fan? I'm saying Peter because I'm a big fan. I love you, Peter. So yesterday was Peter's birthday and Peter, he, I love you too. I'm going to say it. I said it. He's given me some wonderful advice in terms of thinking of myself as a healthy person and letting go of the labels and stories that I've put on myself just because they've been told to me my whole life and that I've accepted them as so. So Peter has given me great advice to ask myself, is that a story or is that inherently who I am? And his belief is that we are all inherently healthy. We are all inherently good. We are all, um, you know, successful and we're all one. And when you really come back to that, um, I don't know if I'm speaking exact advice that Peter has given me, but his overall approach and perspective of life is something that I think about every day and has helped me so much. And I know it's helped you too. Love that. Yeah. He is. He has a cool. What was the quote I like? Oh, that's a quote. Um, Jordan's my memory, by the way. I'll just be like, what was that thing I did? What was that place I was at? What I was... literally am. Um, Peter's thing? quote. Billy? Oh, Bob. Huh? Wait, what? Oh, <laughs> now you're just saying because you can't remember people's name. Um, no, the quote that you're talking about is, it happened the way it happened because it happened? And it oh, couldn't wait, have no. happened any other way. Because <laughs> it didn't. Because it didn't. Boom. We yeah. came up with that one together. That was a joint effort. That was. Love that quote. Makes you think about it and want to say it again and reread it a couple times. Okay, cool. Peter. Love Peter. Uh, did you mention Peter as one of the five people? Um, One of the five podcasts? Yeah. Peter doesn't have a podcast. Oh. Why did I think he did? He's been on podcasts. He just goes on podcasts. Mm-hmm. Man, if he had his own podcast. Uh he doesn't want to have his own podcast. We talked about that on this podcast. Oh, why? Um, he prefers to be a guest. He feels like his That's best cool. his best information comes out of him when people are asking him questions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Okay. So top five people to follow on Instagram. On Instagram. Right now. Right now. Um, and why? Okay, so who am I loving on Instagram lately? Um, there's actually an account called Source Messages that I look that I look at every day, and it is quotes that come from a higher place. This person who writes them basically channels the quotes 
They are so spot on every day. I feel like they're written for me and everyone who follows feels like they're written for them. So there's something really special about this account called Source Messages. Um, I absolutely love Joe Dispenza. I love the information he shares. I'm loving Glennon Doyle on Instagram because I read her book during this quarantine and I love her relationship with her wife and her outlook on everything going on right now. She's a big activist. Glennon Doyle. Yeah. I know. It's so cool. But yeah, I learn a lot from her. She's big into activism and equality and I like how much I learn from her and she's funny. So I think that she's able to tie in being funny with talking about these serious topics, which is definitely something that keeps it lighter hearted for me. And I like that. Um, Glennon Doyle. I love Kenzie Burke on Instagram. I think her content is next level. She only posts intuitively and from the heart and her photos are beautiful. Um, love Kenzie and Marianne Williamson. I mean, always. Oh, and Gabby Bernstein. I'm always looking to them for inspiration. Love. Love that. Okay. I I like this, like kind of who would you, what would you, I'm going to throw at you. If you could go to a concert with any three people that alive or dead and you get to go with three celebrities, not friends, alive or dead, Mm -hmm. who would they be in and what would you see? Oh my gosh. That is so fun. So, okay. So so the celebrities that I would bring with me dead or alive makes, makes the pool really big for me to choose from, but I would probably have to say Andy Warhol because he fascinates me to no end. I've always wanted to meet him. I've always wanted to, okay. Pick his brain is my least favorite phrase, but I almost just said that because he, I would just want to know what's in his brain. Not. I just think it's a weird thing to say, but, um, I feel like it's a compliment. It's a compliment, but I would just want to like live in Andy Warhol's brain and figure out what's That's going creepy. on. Well, I'm creepy and he's creepy. And I think that we would get along. So hmm. I love Andy Warhol, Marilyn Monroe, icon for life. She's someone who I could talk to for days. There's so many things that I want to know from her. She had a tortured life and I just want to hear all about it. And like, if I could spend some time with her, I feel like she's got some stories. And um, third, I think I've always wanted to meet F. Scott Fitzgerald. Very cool. The author of The Great Gatsby, from which my namesake comes. Interesting. Yeah, Jordan. Jordan Baker. So... Yeah, I would bring him. And I've also heard he's a lot of fun. So I think that that would be a fun trio. And then the concert that I could see, if I could see anybody, I would see Eminem, obviously, our mutual love, Um, the Beatles. Still blows my mind you've never seen Eminem. It's devastating that I've never seen Eminem in concert. That's why he's on my list. And the Beatles, they are... The (laughs) Beatles... The Beatles are number one iconic. I can break into song for you right now if you'd like. Okay. Okay, no, I'm meaning I'm to. accepting that as an answer. Number oh, okay. Um, and the Beach Boys. Cool. I grew up listening to the Beach Boys. I love them. Oh, I just thought of one more. What? Sonny and Cher together. That I, would be of any. That would be yours. I mean, there's some songs that I'm I feel in like love I know with. one song. 
Which one? I got you, babe. Yeah, that's it. Well, what if they opened by singing that? Can I, I have mean, four? I mean, I'd much rather have the Beach Boys open. Okay, so if I could only have three, I'm going to go with the Beach Boys. And yeah, that's my answer. I think that that would be so much fun. That Okay, cool. I'm into it. So you'd have the Beach Boys open and then Eminem and then the headliner would be the Beatles? Yeah, I think the Beatles yeah. would have to be the headliner. Be a, they have endless, show. endless songs that I would need to hear from them. Yeah. I mean, who better to pump you up for the Beatles than Eminem? I know. And if I was hanging out with Andy Warhol, Marilyn Monroe, and F. Scott Fitzgerald, like... I, my brain would explode. Like, you, you'd be trying to have conversations with them, and then, like, you have this epic performance, and you'd be love- like, dude, Andy, shut up. I'm trying to watch... <laughs> The show. I would love to Marilyn be like. would be like, come on, let's just have another drink. And there's some cute guys over there. I would drink with them. I'm yeah. just going to put it out there. I, I would love to be like, Marilyn, what do you think of this rapper? Are you a fan? Is this too much for you? Uh, he's cute. Let's go backstage. F. I Scott would, would just have his little notebook. He'd be taking notes in his own world. He's such, a, he's such a partier scotch. though. Yeah, that'd be cool. I know. Oh my God. That's like my heaven. I mean, I have a few thoughts of heaven, but that would be so fun. Okay. We, we have a great relationship. Yes, we do. I think we do. I, I don't know about you. Well, yeah. I mean, it's okay. We do. It's good. Just um, kidding. It's I the best, you, best I, ever. Thanks. I, I brag to people all the time. Like, you know, I have the best wife. She's so cool. She just lets me do my thing. Like, you know, if I'm like, hey, I need space, she gives it to me. Vice versa, you'll be like, hey, I'm taking my eighth bath for the day. I would be like, okay, True. cool. Like, you know, get after it. Um, <laughs> do you think what makes our relationship great is just that we like give each other space? I would say probably not. No, I think that's part of it. I think what what makes our relationship great? I think it's great that we give each other that space. I think it's important for both of us because we're both very independent people, but we also like to come together and do a lot of things together. So what makes our relationship great? I think we're both always pushing each other to be the best versions of ourselves. Um, With me, you remind me of all the promises that I make to myself when it comes to my health, my well-being, my mental health. Um, You don't let me get away with anything and you call me out and continuously make me better. And I like to think I do the same for you. And I like to get you to try new things like reading more, which you've been really good about. And I hope that you'll start a podcast, which is something that I've been nudging you to do for a while. So I think we're, we're always challenging each other. We're never just complacent with, with how the other is doing. And I think we're best friends. I mean, I know we're best friends and (laughs) I know that that plays a huge role in how happy we are together. And um, I think we've gotten better at when we argue or when we disagree or when we, we have our little bickerings or whatever, we're very good at saying sorry and moving on. I think we've both gotten to the point where fighting is just a waste of time. It's sad. We don't want to be in a bad mood. So I think we can both agree to move forward pretty quickly and... Definitely quicker. Quicker than we used to. Yeah, we had a lot to learn. Better each time. That's our thing. And then my final thing I will say on that subject is I think it's so fun that we are both plant-based and that 
we have a lot of fun when we travel, going to plant-based restaurants, driving across Utah to go to a raw restaurant, which you would actually do with me, even if you were not vegan with me, but we have so much fun cooking and we just align on life. I couldn't agree with you more. And you're such a good cat dad. I thought you were going to say, and you're such a good kisser. You're such, oh, he's going in for the kiss. Get over here. <laughs> okay. He is a good kisser. Final question. A good kisser. Wait, final question already? Yeah. I'm not ready for this. This has been so fun. Well, final question. The question you, everyone can you do wants two to more? know. Okay. The question everyone wants to know. When are we having babies? Ooh, I hope that we have babies extremely soon. I have a few little things I'm working on with my health, with my hormones to get us all, to get my body all good and ready. Um, but I hope, I hope early next year we can start trying and we're really putting this out there. Um, putting it out there, doing my happy dance. Yes. Okay. Last and final, because it's a very special episode. It's episode 201, the most infamous sequence of numbers there there ever was. True. Uh, four years now on the podcast, mm-hmm. which is crazy because you somehow do things like before everyone else seems to hop on the train. And even though four years wasn't like the, the start of it, I feel like nowadays it's way easier uh, for people to to do a podcast or at least start one. Yeah. Um, and it's way more common. Now. Way more common for sure. So four years in, biggest learnings, fondest memories. Oh, biggest learnings. Um, so Joe Rogan has this amazing quote where he says he didn't feel comfortable podcasting until his 500th episode. And I can relate to that. I think when I listen back to even you know, episodes earlier this year, I think you're always growing as a podcaster, learning how to be a better listener, be a better question asker, do what's going to be best for your audience and for the guest. Um, Whereas in the beginning, I was super adamant that like, this is a conversational podcast and I'm not an interviewer. And I think I've really changed a lot over the years and become a much more of an interviewer and more of a listener, which I really appreciate um, those skills that podcasting has given me over time. And a huge thing I've learned is that I'm not for everybody and to just be myself and trying to please everyone is boring. Just change your voice. Um, yeah, just change my voice. I think if I change my voice, then, um, you know, there's people out there who hate my voice and clearly that podcast is not for I them. I just love that as a review. I know. Of just all reviews, your voice. it's like, why are you listening to my podcast if my voice bothers you? I know. I, I can't change my voice, you guys. Love your it's voice. not. Thank you. And I've grown to love it too. And that was an insecurity in the past. I'm a California girl. I have a California voice. And now I love and embrace that about myself. Um, if this amazing family of listeners has been here for the last four years or whenever they found me, then that makes me feel more confident in my voice, uh, metaphorically and literally, and the things that I have to say. And I think moving forward, I really just want to continue to embrace that, um, who I am and not censor myself so much for fear of criticism because criticism is, is 
normal when you're putting yourself out there and to not be so sensitive and maybe be more stoic. That's Very huge. Cool. And then memorable moments, the final thing. Um, it's been so cool to have some of my idols on the podcast. Like Top five. The medical medium is an idol. Um, Anthony, love you. Great yes. guy. Nicest guy. I mean, two. way back in the beginning, I had Catherine Budig on the podcast. I had been Should this like- Should I know like, who that is? What? Should I know who that uh, is? Well, no. So you might not, but like at the time I was this young yogi, yoga teacher. I was obsessed with, I used to work at LA Yoga Magazine and someone who was frequently on the cover was Catherine Budig. She was like the first yoga influencer before influencers were a thing. I idolized her and I still think she's so cool. She was like my, maybe my 10th guest. And so that was cool. And I remember, um, my listeners writing in and being like, I could tell you were nervous. And I was like, yeah, I was. Um, (laughs) And I feel like I've come so far in the way that I feel more confident and prepared to what I have to bring to the table for these awesome people. So she was cool. Um, I mean, Lo Bosworth, I had watched Laguna Beach when I was in high school. Like I've just gotten to talk to so many cool people. There's Shaman Durek has changed my world. Jenna Zoe has changed my world. Um, Lacey Phillips, people who've become good friends and have brought so much spiritual awakening into my life. Very so, cool. yeah, it's huge. Love it. Wow. 201. Favorite guest ever? My husband. Oh, you're just saying that. No, I'm serious. It's so fun every time I get to have you on. I would so rather have Peter Crone over me. I know, but I get to have Peter Crone and you. So life is abundant. You are too kind. It's true. Episode 201, just 299 more, babe, until you're actually good at your job. Yep, exactly. So let's just keep on racking them up. Just keep. Keep going. Keep going. Keep persevering. Thank now, you so all, much. My all love. jokes aside, your podcast is awesome. The guests you have are insane. I think it's so cool that you can just be like, I'm going to read this person's book and then I'm going to reach out to them. And then next thing you know, they're on your podcast. But even more so, you guys become friends and just you have such a cool life. And uh, so much goes into the podcast that people don't know. I'll share a couple little quick tidbits. One, if she's having any author on the podcast, she will likely read every single one of their books before they're on the podcast. That alone is just baffling because uh, <laughs> some of them have four or five books. True. I haven't read four or five books in two years. I'm getting better. You but are getting it's better. It's insane how much you read. Uh, so that I think your craft has gotten a lot better. Definitely able to stay on topic, re-reference things if you know you happen to bring something up in the beginning, unlike some of our first early podcasts. So <laughs> Jonathan is my toughest critic, which I appreciate. And in the beginning, he would let me know all the stuff that I still had to learn. But you've just been killing it, and. We love you. Thank you for letting me guest host this very special episode. And let's uh, let's just carry this good energy into the rest of the weekend. Let's do it, my love. It's my let's... mom's birthday today. I know. Happy birthday to Dot. Yeah. Dottie. Let's go party tomorrow. Let's go party. We're going to make her a vegan carrot cake after this. Actually, in the morning, we'll yeah. make it. 
I can't wait. Can't wait either. Well, celebrations time. Thank you so much, my love. Thanks, everybody. Have a great night or day. See ya. Woohoo. All right, you guys, you just learned a lot about me and I cannot even tell you how excited I am to share and how much fun it is to have my husband on the podcast um, asking questions that only he would know to ask and sharing a different side of myself with you guys. So I hope you loved this fun celebratory episode and learned some things about me that you may not have known before, probably definitely didn't know. It was special. It was fun. Memory lane. And yeah, it's all out there. When we want to have a baby, the psychedelics I did in high school, what did we not share? We are open books. So I would love for you guys to let me know what your favorite part of the episode was. If you head to my Instagram today, comment on the photo, tell me your favorite part, and I will pick a couple people to send some Balanced Blonde water bottles to. Um, They're awesome. They're welly bottles and they're like light pink and they're so cute and I want to keep sending them out to people. So if you go to my Instagram, tell me what you loved about this episode. I'll be sending them out. Thank you to our sponsors, Array and Public Goods. You can use the code BLONDE in either place for a discount and for free shipping with Array. And thank you to my husband for coming on. Thank you to you guys for listening. If you feel inspired to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, I would be so honored to have you do that and send me a screenshot to jordanatthebalancebond.com so I can send you my free yoga ebook as a thank you. So thank you guys for being here. 200 episodes strong. I am so excited and I'm just thrilled to continue and to keep connecting with you guys in this fun way. So I love you. Have a soul on fire day and mwah.